Attention, radio listeners. Oh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie is the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. Our number two of Centers of Attention, and people do claim that Roosevelt Bowie is the best center that Syracuse has ever had. So on this edition of the show, we have two guards feeding the post. Myself, Seth Everett, and Roosevelt Bowie in the second hour of Centers of Attention today, brought to you by Joe Bowers Farmers Insurance in North Syracuse. Guys, how are we today? I haven't worked with Seth in a while, so this is going to be interesting. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Thank you. Roosevelt, it's great to share the airwaves with an icon like yourself. Polly, is it? Yes, that would be my name. Oh, okay. I remember you. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the Florida State game immediately, guys. And, and the oh, thing that has... That's a great ev- transition right there. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm I, grading this whole performance. So, right All right, you can grade all you want. I'm the boss. <laughs> I do what I want around here. We... Uh, <laughs> So, so my transition wasn't bad. Let's transition into something else. The the social media networks are a flutter, as the kids would say, I believe, <laughs> with uh, with the play of Buddy Beheim. Uh, in the past two games, he's two of his last fifteen uh, shooting from the three point range. And is there anything Syracuse can do at this point if Buddy is struggling? I will give you guys my thoughts on what needs to happen, but. But, Rosie, we'll start with you. What's your takeaway uh, on the performance of Buddy Beheim? Buddy, if you're listening, keep shooting. Right. <laughs> hey, Just... the law of averages dictates you're going to start knocking them down at a high rate. So don't – I'm not worried about it. Take, you know, take your same shot. Take your same stroke. The team believes in them. See, the one thing that I always pay close attention to is this. If you are a shooter – and you're running around down the court, and there's one guy, one guy playing you face to face, and another guy watching you. Uh, you've done your job. Then it's up to us to find out who the guy that is that's open. Uh, in, in Division One basketball, you really want to make one guy play you all the time. And uh, if you check the video, there's a man playing him all over. Matter of fact, I thought he was inside of his uniform. Well, I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. There was an argument made to Coach Beheim in the post game, and Roosevelt, you and I talked about it on our show on Saturday, and that is, once he wasn't hitting, especially late first half, and you need something, do you consider taking him out? And Jim Beheim didn't get mad. He defended it by saying. You know, he was making up for it defensively, and he had a big steal at the end, and he he was contributing, but he said, and he made this point, he said, the threat of Buddy helps us offensively, you know, even if he's not shooting. And I just wonder, in hindsight, is it better to spell him for five minutes, just give him a little break, and then take the break at halftime and come out in the second half and maybe his fortunes change. I, I don't know. You just It's just the hang with him mentality can only go so far. Here is exactly what Coach Beheim said, if you guys would like oh. to hear it. Yeah, this he is what I don't have on the 10 o'clock you know, show. We, we need his threat in there. Uh, he ended up making the defensive play that turned it around, could have turned the game around, but uh, you know he just it wasn't making things. They did a good job on him defensively, too. 
Right. And but he didn't know that. He didn't know he was going to make the defensive play. And I'm I'm not saying it's not a it's not a second guess, but this argument that you can't put take him out when he's 0 for 5, 0 for 6, you can take him out for 5 minutes and just spell him, use the halftime and maybe his fortunes change. Just maybe something changes for him. I, I don't know. And Roosevelt, we, we we saw both sides to that on Saturday. Well, you know the, the thing that I always look at. Uh, if I gotta, if I gotta flip a coin, and go with the decision of anybody, I'm gonna go with the decision of the coach, because as a player, when you're out there playing, if you get taken out because you're shooting, you feel that you're not accomplishing anything. That might add more pressure to you. But if you're out on the floor and you're a player making defensive plays, Buddy does. He's in great position on the inside. He makes one man pay attention to him, and a lot of times two men pay attention to him. And if you look at the score. Uh, the, the team played well with them in there. You know, you want more points, but if you look at the bottom line is we're, we're two shots away from a win. My takeaway, guys, is with Buddy on the floor or off the floor, you're not making up the points when Buddy is struggling. And this is True. this is uh, where it comes in for all players. And I'm going to put it on one person, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. Marek Dolajai has to step up. When he realizes one of the big three is not having it that day, he had nine points yesterday, thirteen the game before when Buddy was struggling, and I don't know what we can legitimately expect from him offensively, but you know, nine he only took uh, five shots while Buddy was struggling last game, and I feel like somebody's got to step up and pick up the slack, right? Yeah, but how is it that Buddy Bayheim is being <clears throat> gobbled up defensively and Dolajai isn't? Well, that's that's the issue. He's open, right, Rosie? That's going to open up Marek if. Well, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna give the appearance to open up someone, but it's not it's not one player's job to solve the problem. See, the, the deal is that when when there's that um, when there's that problem in scoring, there's a bunch of things that can be done. Because if Buddy is being played so closely, me personally, as a center, I always look for the solution that what I can do to solve the problem, not what, what, not something to talk about. So what I would do to solve the problem, if anybody ever played my point guard, any, anybody on my team, if they face guard him so close, because understand it, physically, any Division One player can play another player close enough to stop him from scoring. But the only problem is he can't see any picks coming that, that will knock the paint off of him. And, and the thing about getting, when you get hit by one good hard pick, your your body will not let you face guard that guy anymore. Because in my career, the thing that I always wanted to do, if I saw somebody playing my my, my best shooter, because if the best shooter is played tight, it's going to create a problem for me. So I want my best shooter to do what he can do. I would set one good hard pick, a legal pick, because understand when you're face guarding a guy, you're looking tunnel vision at one person. You can come up behind that guy, run him into a pick, and and every bone in his body will rattle. And then after that, all you have to do is get behind him and stomp your feet, and he'll turn his head to see what's there, and that's all Buddy needs to shoot. So that's the fault of our bigs for not setting a pick to get him open, setting better picks. And Merrick Dolezal, when he gets the ball, he is a great facilitator. Then I've got to understand if Buddy's not scoring, then if anybody else on the floor, if Buddy's not scoring, I would start drooling. I would have to like get a napkin because I would say, hey, those are th- these are shots when they're looking for somebody else to score. And uh, one thing that I always say to the big guys, when you want, when you get open, if you can't see the guy that's passing you the ball, 
then you got to, they can't see you. So you've got to get to position, call for the ball, especially in the paint. If you're face guarding a guy 30 feet from the basket and then you get scored on two or three times in the paint, guess what? There might be a little time. I'll say, hey, guys, we got to pay better attention on the inside. So it's a team that's got to solve the problem. All right, I want to stick to the big guys here. A couple back-to-back questions, and I'll hit you first, Rosie, with this one. You say they need to set picks. A pick from Roosevelt Bowie in his prime is going to be a lot different than a pick from <laughs> Barama Sidibe and Marek Dolajai, Marek right? Dolajai. You know, the, 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 you guys want them to knock the paint off them. That ain't coming from this team. That's not. They don't have the size. <laughs> well, listen, just just uh, let's let's recalculate things. Roosevelt Bowie in 1976 came here at 6'11 and three quarters, 190 pounds. Uh-huh. Okay, I didn't break 200 pounds until middle of my sophomore year. It's not about the size of the player; it's about but the you're under now, right? You're 196. <laughs> you told me. Uh, I got uh, each leg. <laughs> so, so the, the, the fact that the fact of the matter is this: it's about get your position and your willingness to make contact because. Understand it when you you have to make good contact for the man to get open. And number two, the guy that's setting the pick. What we used to like to do is uh, when I set a pick for Lewis, I'd come up to set the pick, and just before I got there, he give him a he give him a gracious nudge in my direction, so I could get a, a better shot at him. But you want to make contact. It's about the position. It's about the willingness to take contact, and the role that comes after that pick is not immediate. The role after that pick is one second, two second, and after the roll, then somebody's got to make a decision. One of the two are going to be open. All right, second with the bigs. We'll talk about this here. Uh, I'll let Coach Beheim hit it, but there's a huge, bigger than Buddy Beheim going 0 for 7 in the game was this number, 47 to 29 in rebounds, and this is what Coach Beheim had to say about it. Well, we're big enough. We just didn't rebound well enough to rebound better. I think Quincy had two, and yeah, he's got it. We got to. We've got to do a better job on the boards. We've been better, but not tonight. Not today. What did you see from Barama today overall? You know, he's he's just. They're doubling. They're leaving him and the guards on him. They're switching, so we got a mismatch at the guard spot. We make the play, and he's there to rebound, and we're not we're not getting it against the guard. So you know, he's got to make plays down there in those situations, and. Uh, you know, he's just, he's not doing it. Marek and Brahma, you know, have to play better. You know, Marek had spurts today, but he's, I think he's better than he's played the last couple games. All right, Rosie, your thoughts on what Coach said about rebounding? Okay, so the first thing that I would have to say about rebounding is you'll notice that when Syracuse doesn't rebound well, one of the things that happens is the rebounds that happen, the short rebounds, you'll notice that more than one guy is deciding to, to go for the block. Okay, there's got to be somebody that, is, that understands, I'm going for the block. The other two have to box out and rebound. You'll notice that a shot will go up, and you'll see three Syracuse guys run toward the basket and jump towards the ball. Or you'll see a, a guy come in and get, the, you'll get an offensive rebound, and once they have to get the, the first offensive rebound, the other guys are like looking if they're going to help the block or if they're going to block his shot or if they're going to. You've got to decide, okay, we've got a triangle in there. You know, you've got to go to the basket. Now, what Coach is talking about when there's a switch and you go to the rebound, they're getting that switch and you're having a guard on the center. But what, you, what you actually have to do is you don't go to the rebound on that switch. What you actually do is once there's that switch, you stop right there where the switch is. By stopping where the switch is, you have just created 
12 feet in front of you for a rebound. But if you run to the rebound, the closer underneath the basket you get, the more, the more you equalize it because a running player has a better chance of getting an equally as good a chance of getting a rebound. So we want to, at that exchange, our bigs should focus on on actually boxing out or picking that guy that's trying to come back in and help, especially if it's a mismatch, you've got to create space. And like I said before, use your body. And if you can't see the guy, if you can't see the ball, get to a spot. The second step of that is get to a spot where you can call for the ball. So if you go out to call for the ball, you're going to create all kinds of problems for that little guy because he's figuring I can box him out maybe, but if he calls for the ball and he gets the ball, I'm screwed. Make that make that guy work. The the big issue was the second chance shots that Florida yeah. State got in that game. The yeah, offensive rebound twenty to ten at the start of the, I think the first possession of the game they they had four attempts at the basket and it's it, when you're getting more attempts than the other team it makes it much easier to win. Well, I can tell you this thing for sure when they're when they're when they're four attempts it was a, the team broke down. It wasn't the bigs, it was the small, it was the team because at, at a certain point you see two rebounds go through there. If somebody just says, you, you can't tell me that if five players on the floor say, you know what, this ball is not getting rebounded, kick it out of bounds, knock it out of bounds, slap it out of bounds, at least stop so you can reset your defense and start all over again. When offensive rebounds happen, oh man, just, bad things happen. You get two, three shots per, per time down the floor, especially when you score on a team in the paint. That's demoralizing. When somebody knocks down a long three, you're like, oh, he's a great shooter. When somebody comes in, they score in your house, that's that's embarrassing. Now, Seth, let me ask you this. As we are non former non players, uh, <laughs> it's too late I've in the been season. I've a non player my whole life. Yes, uh, too late in the season to still be having this discussion, right? It is. And it's not the discussion that I've ever thought of having because um, what I took away from yesterday or not yesterday, it was Saturday, was I liked that game. I loved the effort. I told Rosie that. I said, I don't have a negative vibe from that game. It was a brutal loss in that it crushes your NCAA hopes, and they are on life support anyway. So you have, it just, it's two schools of thought. It's We heard, and Polly, you and I were doing the show then, we heard in, in November and early December Jim Beheim say it is a process, trust the process, and we will be better than we are right now. Well, he's right. They are much better than we are now. And I said to Danny this morning, I said, I wish there were 25 games left in the season. Because I'd take this group, I'd give them a much better chance at the NCAA tournament than the group that we had the last two months. And so it's two schools of thought. You either just like where this team has grown or... You are frustrated as heck because they can't do the simple things that we think they need to do, and they're not going to the big dance. My takeaway on this team is it is getting better, and it's going, and it still has a level to get better, which is a very good thing. Whereas last year we came into the season with everybody back, but it was the same exact team, and I felt like we had gotten the most out of everybody on the court at the time whether it was Brissett right. or Battle Gerard year 2 yeah. if Elijah comes back there's so there's so much there and Dolajai will be bigger by the way he have will? you guys on on your hour what done do you know? the the Marek Dolajai uh, uh breakfast 
<laughs> no. What is that? <laughs> so you guys were at the game. You guys didn't hear this. But on the broadcast, not the Florida State game. What was the game right before it? Uh, it, it prob- NC State. NC State. During the NC State game, they had the sideline reporter, whoever she was. I, I don't know her name. Mm-hmm. She, you know, you, you know how the sideline reporter writes two or three stories, so if there's nothing going on on the court that she can report on, she has a report. Right. And she wrote Marek Dolajai's breakfast every morning as they are <laughs> trying to bulk him up. Do you know that he has four protein shakes a day? That is crazy. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. He has... Eggs, bacon, hash browns, a bagel, and a donut every morning. And I went on Twitch, and I'll do the same thing. I stared right at the camera, and I said to Marek Dolajai, I'll give you any memorabilia you want. I will let you do my podcast. I'll have everything. Give me a sliver of your metabolism, please. <laughs> I know. Please. Well, he's running up and down the court. It's hard for these guys to put on weight uh, when you're burning. An ounce. He's well, a string bean. It is funny. They they used to do with Hakeem Warwick. Uh, I, after dinner, they had an all-you-can-eat ice cream bar. <laughs> and they on the road, and they used to make Hakeem sit and eat ice cream after the games, it, just to put out Please a little weight. Make me do hey. that once. Can we have a Listen. Galaxy Team event? <laughs> make me eat I'm, ice cream I'm about, once. I'm, I'm about to make you guys uh, cry because they had uh, Doctor Short, who was a nutritionist at the time, uh, took a look at me because if you remember, Louis Soros, six nine, one hundred sixty nine pounds, Roosevelt Bowie's almost seven feet and 190 pounds nobody noticed that i was that thin so we had to go get this test so to maintain my body weight at the time which was 190 pounds i needed to consume 5500 calories a day (laughs) 5500 calories a day just to stay the same weight that i was going through the practice that i did so my I'm day trying to like stay this. under sixteen hundred. Just so you have the have the context there. <laughs> so sixteen hundred. This is what my day looked like. I get up in the morning. We had these shakes. They're nutriment shakes. I had cases and cases underneath my stairs. I get up in the morning, <laughs> pop a shake and drink it. Each shake is eight hundred calories. Then I would go down. I would cut through Manly Fieldhouse at the time, and the coach would hand me another shake when I was walking through the fieldhouse. And I drink that. So before I got to my first class, I had 1,600 calories. Oh, God. And then I would go have breakfast, and then I'd have lunch, and I'd come back. And before I could get out to the court to practice, somebody would hand me another shake, whether it be in the training room. So that's 2,400 calories just that would be handed to me by somebody that was affiliated with the team. And that was because it's impossible to eat 55 calories. You'll get bored. you get tired of chewing. <laughs> But the fact, of the, the, fact of, the fact of the matter was they kept doing it. And I can tell you for a fact, all of the stuff that I ate, I, we, Lewis and I drank the same number of shakes. We'd sit there. I couldn't eat with Lewis because Lewis probably ate three times as much food as I did. I, I couldn't believe it. I, it was, oh I couldn't God. sit with him because I'd get full. He would eat everything. We used to, he, used to, he had, and he would tuck it in his cheek, so he was like, <laughs> he would just be chewing and chewing, and I was just like, guys, I got to go. So got to be an Oreo calories. somewhere here. I'm hungry now. <laughs> I want to hit one more thing before we take our first break, guys. <laughs> the play of Quincy Garrier. Uh, 
he he is a legit six man now, right? It, you know, it, we we talk about depth, and hopefully it'll be better next year. But we've at least got one option off the bench that can come in and get. He struggled rebounding, but still put up uh, double figures uh, scoring for his third straight game. Yeah, you know, the, another thing that where you'll find he, they struggle when Buddy can't when Buddy can't put their ball on the floor and get closer to the basket. Those are that's a number of shots that are taken further away that that are going to bounce over your that that, that are going to bounce over Quincy. Now the other thing about Quincy, they're leaving the, they're going to leave him open, and with a little bit of luck, he can chase down four, five, six, eight rebounds. But talking about him being a bona fide off the bench, I would say you know the more I watch him, I judge his play by how many times he's on the floor. If somebody's knocking him, you remember the beginning of the season. He got knocked down, I would count five, six, seven, eight times a game. As he gets better, he's playing more physical. Now, with that body size, he's playing more physical. You notice he might fall down, well, he might fall down two, maybe three times, but it's his choice because he's jumping away from the basket. Right. Hey, when he's a, if he wants to be a starter, stay on your feet, make other guys fall down. He was, uh, you know, he was the guy that Beheim said he was lost defensively back in November. And now he's not lost. He's learning it before your very eyes. This is the guy that I think embodies what we were talking about before. Like, I watched that Florida State game, and I'm like, he couldn't do that three months ago. He couldn't do that three months ago. All those things. And I just think this team, like Paulie said before, they're going to be so much better next year. The thing about Quincy Garrier that I really, really like is what I saw from him in Italy. He has the ability to be a low post threat, like throw the ball into him and have him beat the crap out of somebody and beat them into submission and score baskets because physically he, he can do it. Spin to the left, spin to the right, you know, get a little elbow grease there, the little chicken wings going. And next thing you know, you got a bona fide uh, post presence that you throw the ball to and he can score it. All right, we got to take our first time out. We're really late. I let you guys ramble on there. Uh, we'll take our first time out. We'll come back and we'll look at the bigger picture. Is it the end of the world if this team does not end up in the NCAA tournament? Because it's going to be an uphill climb from here. On Centers of Attention Hour 2 on Q Sports Talk on Twitch and ESPN Radio Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. Hour number two of Centers of Attention. Uh, Seth Everett joining me, Polly, and Roosevelt Bowie as we are still breaking down the last game. Uh, Syracuse versus Florida State, one that many people think put uh, the nail in the coffin for this year's team. Guys, let me hit you on a couple things. And something popped up during the break that I want to hit on. Joe Girard has been great. I'm not saying he hasn't, but there's always that but when you host a radio show or you, when you're about to throw shade that uh, <laughs> that Girard still makes freshman mistakes, right? Like you're going to get bad shot selections down the stretch and a dumb foul on a three-point shot at the end of the game, and it makes you want you, – you see the bright side, but then those plays still happen. Well, you know what? He's uh, – you, you got to give it to him. He was th- he's been thrown into the fire as a, as a freshman. Coming right. out there, he, he's, uh, he, he's a very good ball handler. And I know Jerry, uh, Jerry McNamara says, you know, you can, you can do one of two things. You can go out there and you can crack the whip – and tell this kid you want him to play exactly like you want, like you want him to do everything perfect, and you can throw shade at him. You can make him feel, 
you know, make him get complicated, start thinking about too many things, then that takes away from who uh, Joe Girard III is. You know, you, what you got to try to do is kind of hold him in, direct him in the right directions, because don't get it twisted. He's going to bust loose. He's going to bust loose and, and, on, on numerous occasions, and you're going to want to have that same mentality, but under control like he was when he was in high school. And I know Seth wanted to immortalize him and retire his jersey before he played <laughs> his first, before he played his first game, and, and he did he did make a bad cancel foul. Wallace. Remember that <laughs> he did make a bad foul down the stretch. But now that I look at his stat line from that game, when Joe Girard is your leading rebounder, he had seven rebounds, five assists, one turnover. One steal, twenty-two points. I take it back. He can do what he wants, right? Right? You know, if you're getting that out of a freshman, you he's know. a freshman, and and he's getting better, and he's so much better now than he was two months ago. Imagine what he's going to be like after a whole summer of working on his game. He's going to be great. He's going to be superb. And Buddy will be back next year, and this team is just going to be better. And they'll have more than one option off the bench. And if Elijah Hughes got hurt, they will have a plan. <laughs> plan B. They're just they're, Next year is so encouraging. This year is just it's over. It, it feels over. Yes, there's a chance. Beat Louisville, you change everything. You win the ACC tournament, obviously you change everything. There's plenty of things that can happen. What's likely to happen, it's NIT. Right. They've, they've got to beat Louisville and win out, in my, in my honest opinion, in order to, to be in. You, you know, you got to win out and maybe even win one in, in the – in the ACC tournament, and the bad thing is, is where you end up seated in this conference, you may get that first round game in the tournament, and it may not help you at all. Anyways, you you may end up beating a team that doesn't help your resume. It, they have a major uphill climb oh, it's, in it's order to get in. Slim and none, right? It's very slim. And I'm sitting here smiling because, as a player, keep hope alive. Said this on that's, all, that's, that's, yep. that's 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 what that's what you have to do. You can't. Uh, Paulie and Seth, that's what your job is to do, and you guys do it well. Look at all the options. You explain it for the fans, and that's what you have to do. <laughs> but as a player, the, the more dire it becomes, the more you have to get tunnel vision. You have to keep going by any means necessary. We got to get this game. We got to – you basically should, they should come out and put on a hard hat and just go to work because it's the easiest thing to do. You can't worry about – because. You've got plays on defense, plays on offense. You've got reads that you have to do when you're out on the court. There's, we, says we went through like 15 different options, and I said, I Remember? want you to imagine yep. a guy out on the floor that has to come off a pick and hit, knock down a jump shot, and, it's, and he's got to think, well, let's see if, I, if we can win this game. We went through 15 options. We talked about it for the, the whole hour. And I said, I you don't want your players even thinking about that nonsense. You want your players thinking about get out to the corner, double team, rebound, get out on a fast break. All right, we got to well, take another quick break, guys. Uh, I got us way behind. I'm going to say something really cliche before we take the break, and I, I'll, I'll let you guys, I'll let, I'll let you rip. I would not want to face this Syracuse team in the ACC tournament, right? <laughs> Is that not the most cliche thing to say? But it's this kind of crap that got us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. This team can score on anybody, and, and if you're if you if you're one of the teams that's at the, the middle or bottom, I would not want to get this Syracuse team if I was uh, if I was one of the higher seeds. 
Fair that point. Was, that, was, that was one of my comments was when I was playing with some of the younger teams, I would come into the locker room on a big game and a big day, and you know, guys are sitting there looking all nervous, and I'm like, guys, you know, this time of year, some unheard of team comes out there and beats the pants off of some ranked team. It happens every year. It's been happening every year. The, the tournament's been going on. Hey guys, let's be that team today. Bring it in. All right. Now we'll take the time out. It's Centers of Attention Hour 2 on Q Sports Talk on Twitch and ESPN Radio Syracuse. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk. And on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. This is Centers of Attention Hour number 2. Us trying to figure out how to get John Gillen on the air has been a lot of fun. Hey, if you want to hang out with Eric Devendorf, Roosevelt Bowie, and Lawrence Moten, and Nico Tamarian, check out the Louisville Watch Party on Twitch, Q Sports Talk. And while you're there watching the game with your three favorite players, you can also, I don't know if I can turn them up yet or not, uh, win a t-shirt courtesy of University Sports Shop at Destiny USA and the Great Northern Mall. Tune in February 19th at 645 for the Syracuse Louisville Watch Party. Free t-shirts. Syracuse fans love t-shirts, guys. Me too. How how are we doing? Did we did we did we leak riveting. did we leak out John Gillen's phone number on Twitch? Or did that we catch that? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, listen, no, we, we, we caught it. We caught it good. 48 have, minutes and 30 seconds. I know the first six digits. That's all I'm saying. We're going to have to uh we're going to have you to what, do it tomorrow then. I, you know, what I just found out is you're going to have to call him through the app because if you try to call him with his New York number, it goes straight to voicemail. All right, we'll have to do it tomorrow now. We're uh, coming down in three, we're out of two, time. one. This John Gillen, it's like where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? It's uh, where in the world is Carmen John Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, who cares? I'm, I, grew up, I grew up near... <laughs> I, I like to show off my Spanish influence. Carmen Sandiego? Yes. Not that. Not Sorry, I didn't have kids like you. Sorry. I don't know. It's probably a better thing that I don't know Kid Show's name being a 47-year-old single man with no children. Still watching the Super Friends. If I'm sitting home watching Peppa Pig by myself, we have a big problem. I'm Peppa Pig. This is my brother, George. (laughs) I know. I can recite Somebody help me. Ethan, where are you? (laughs) So here's uh, the deal as we will wrap up. in the world is Ethan Thomas? We will wrap things up. Uh, uh, Door of the Explorer. We need a map to find <laughs> John Gillen. I'm the map. I'm I'm the map. map. I'm <laughs> map All right. I'm done with kid shows. Uh, uh, before we go, and I'll hit Seth Everett with this la- final question because okay. he is a baseball expert, an insider, as the kids would call him. Uh, Tony Fernandez <laughs> passed away. A Syracuse uh, Chiefs. So sorry to hear that. Syracuse yeah. Chiefs at like superstar for the Chiefs. He was an international league superstar. Sure. Went on to have a above a, a great career. Not a Hall of Fame career, but a great career with the Blue Jays, Padres, Yankees, Mets. I think you could throw in there. Uh, but just a, just a great overall career for Tony. He was Fernandez. the guy that needed the day off. That Derek Jeter got his major league debut. Right. He was there. <laughs> that's, that's a big, big, big footnote in history. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I 17 big league seasons, lifetime batting, 288, more than 2,200 hits, five-time All-Star, four gold gloves, an amazing defensive player, five postseasons, two World Series, hit 385, 327, and 150 postseason at-bats. That's when they didn't have the extra round. 
I, I don't know. He is he is really really good. He's he was a great player. Yeah, he, uh, he he has a special place in my heart because he was on a Padres team when they had their first fire sale. Mm-hmm. That could have been that could have been great. They had an infield of him, Bip Roberts, McGriff, and Gary Sheffield. Can so. I just give you one nugget that I just saw on Twitter? Sure. Red Sox ownership says ticket sales at Fenway Park pacing 15% behind last season. Well, they traded their best players. Uh, that's not it. It's the cheating. No, it They're isn't. They're going to get pinched. They're get, they, they have not announced their penalty, and they are going to get an Astros-like penalty. The Red Sox are going to be the the Antichrist. They are going to be Nonsense. everything bad. They, they, I'm telling you, the fans this buying, thing is going to spread. The fans aren't buying tickets for the Red Sox games because they think the team's given up on them. You know, they trade in the right. <laughs> yes, yes, that's <laughs> why. Right. I don't think it is. Boston doesn't care about cheaters. Look at their world. Look at their football team. You know, and just one thing in the in the little moments we talked about this last hour. You notice there are some players that are eviscerating the Astros, right? Like Cody Bellinger came out, and Mike Trout today came out and crushed him. He said, "Just wait till you see if I knew what pitch was coming." How great I'd be! <laughs> like he, oh, he the, these guys are talking. Do you ever notice the Cleveland Indians, and more specifically, the New York Yankees, are saying virtually nothing, and they are going, "Well, it's a sad part of our past, but we got to look to the future, and we don't want to don't dwell in the past. We got to look to the future." You know, the, the funny. What thing does that tell that you, is, detectives? The, the, the funny thing about that is, that anytime I see something like that. And you have one person talking loud, somebody really quiet. Uh, I think somebody's sitting on top of a secret. Thank you. All right. I, I I don't think that's why. I don't think Boston's fans care that they cheated that. I don't think that's why they're not buying tickets. I think okay. they feel like that the front office right. has given up on them. Uh, big coaches show night tonight. G-Mac show 7 to 8 at Wildcat. And then Adrian Autry show 8 to 9 at Shaughnessy. So you can go out. Have some grub at one of your favorite places and catch a coach talking Syracuse hoops. That wraps it up uh, for Centers of Attention, our number two guys. Great job, Rosie, Seth. Uh, always good to argue yeah. with you on the air again. Yeah, yeah, we had our moments. Rosie, Small you'll have ball. yeah, Rosie, you'll have a ton back tomorrow, don't you worry? Unless his, unless well, he still has we'll laryngitis. <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. see. <laughs> you know, he still okay. thinks he's a player. He needs the whole All Star break. He is. Uh, what do they call it? A uh, load management now in the NBA. He's oh, doing yeah, that with yeah. his show right now. So we'll be back with more centers of attention next uh, tomorrow. Not next. Orange Nation's next on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch.